Boom. Well, thank you for coming, Jason. I appreciate it. Um, well, the first thing you gave me is your your book. Yeah, I figured it's nice to show up with housewarming gifts. Yeah, even though you've been here for a minute, but yeah, and it's literally just I just this this is one of the first hundred copies I ordered them last week, and then I just launched on the eighth, which is my son's birthday, March eighth, um, because it's a psychologist letters to his kids disguised as leadership. Um, I, f- I figure I don't know how much money I'll leave him, but I could at least leave him, leave him this. Yeah, good advice and Some, a good book. Yeah, a good book. My words. I want the words to haunt them. Is is what you do, like, is this all really, really important for you and your kids' relationship? Um, It's interesting. It's It didn't start out that way. Um, It's really what I do mm-hmm. as a psychologist, as a coach, whatever you want to call me, entrepreneur. Um more psychologist than coach than entrepreneur but um but yeah as i was writing writing it and going through it i was like uh this is exactly the kind of things and the way i would want my kids to mostly lead their lives if they could you know um so that's how it turned out and what happened was i was my because it took forever to write it's not like it's war and peace or everything anything but probably the last few years it yeah it took forever to write because it was in it was in my brain to write it and then my dad was going through cancer and passed away and so as I was kind of writing the intro slash dedicating it it just got super personal yeah um and so that but I wanted to keep it in there but I just put it in another area in the book. And I said, you know what? This is, it is for people who want to, you know, high performance. But it's really like, you know, if, if, I, could, if I could leave them something <laughs> with something to go by, that would be it. Did you have help uh, with your writing process from anyone? Uh, no, actually. I probably, um, I should have asked for some help. But I, this is my second book. Um, the first one, I, there was a contributor, the name was Dr. Irwin, Rob Irwin, uh, who's in, who's in the Vista, San Marcos, Carlsbad area. Um, but this one fully just channeled it, like totally went into the zone of like when I used to race BMX and, you know, at big races and stuff and just, just channeled it. A lot of it was written on a, on an airplane, traveling a lot, uh, something about being on the airplane just like allows for that kind of stream know. of consciousness. Yes. Yes. Stream of consciousness. But you just get in this little bubble, even in your seat, <laughs> whether it's one a or 36 F and then you can just kind of go. And then, and that's how I did it. Yeah. I always get a strong sense of adventure, packing yeah. a bag, getting on a plane, seeing the earth move slowly yeah. under you. Yeah. yeah. I, there's something about flying or any experience like that, it's almost like you have this benefit of time standing still. Now, yeah. obviously, yeah. the world is happening. Yeah, you, yeah. But in a weird way, it's like you're in this own special vacuum. You get that in trains, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a traveling thing. And, and I got to say, there's nothing better 
than hitting the road to go do your thing, whatever that thing is. I I love that. I'm I'm with you on that, and I've been told it's because I'm young and I'm not sure. I like traveling yeah, for work, I and I always have. Yeah. And I was wondering. So you do move around a good bit. I I, I look for reasons to move around. Okay, good. Like, um, if so, when things slow down for COVID, um, because I was an I was so I was traveling and speaking as much as I could. Um, and I was traveling and doing some coaching with some, some groups. And then I was traveling and doing the announcing for the world cups for the BMX races. Okay. Um, so it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect for me. Yeah. Um, and then when things slowed down for COVID, I just was, it was difficult. And so, you know, politically correct or not, I got in the car probably a little bit more than I should have to go do some adventurous things with, yeah. with the bike and with the kids and stuff like that. Outdoor, outdoor. But, um, but yeah, it's something about it's yeah. Well, anyways, it's, I don't think it's cause it's young. I think it's in your, so we have these, you know, there's big five factor personality types. Um, and, and there's openness and agreeableness and, um, you know, how extroverted or introverted you are, but they're, there's a range in personality where people do seek new experiences and people are open to new ideas and new ways of doing things. So that probably um, contributes to, to those who like to travel. Well, I think I do rank high on openness and agreeability and conscientiousness mm-hmm. and kind of yeah. like, I like, yeah. I like moving and doing things and thinking mm-hmm. and being a part of new communities yep. and kind of getting, um, a, a shock to my system mm-hmm. like that. And it is shocking because I'm quite sensitive as well. Yeah. So like in a new experience, I'll right. really feel it. Right. But I also like that. Mm-hmm. I really feel it. Right. So you're like very, what's the word? Um, probably intuitive, but uh, you know, like empath, like you really like it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I noticed a few things you said because I am, working on my speaking now mm, i just cool. came from i i came straight here from a public speaking class nice that i'm in nice and it's hard i gave my second speech today and i had a lot of feedback <laughs> you know yeah, and i'd ra- i'd rate myself low like a five out of ten uh-huh. today because i got a bit lost mm-hmm. and then then it felt like all of a sudden it was five minutes felt like an eternity yes. in, in my head, yeah. you know, cause yeah. I got out of order and yeah. then I had to bail myself out. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just wonder what are things, when you say you were traveling and, and speaking, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you, that you would, what were the, the circumstances that you'd speak and yeah, what would you so, speak about? So, so we can back up a bit. Um, right. I'm a psychologist yes. by trade. Uh, I do have a clinical license to practice psychology. I raced BMX for 15 years professionally. So that's a long minute. Yeah, that's a while. Um, And the whole time I went to school, uh, I went to University of San Diego, got my undergrad degree in philosophy, and then graduated, kept racing, then went back and got my MBA, then graduated, kept racing. uh, And then I broke my femur in 2006, right leg huge anyways and at that time i was the oldest or one of the oldest guys doing the thing and i thought okay it's done i'm done 
And no one would have been surprised. I, I was the oldest guy, and that's a pretty catastrophic injury. Yeah, fevers um, are no fun. Yeah. So anyways, I, I just... When I got home, finally, because it was, I was probably... I broke my leg in Oklahoma. Um, but I got home probably five-ish days later. Surgery? You got Surgery, a metal rod in there? Yeah, rod, Did hardware. they go up through the knee? They went... So they, they went through kind of... Yeah, kind of just side by the knee. And then there's a slice in my butt cheek yep. where they hammered it in. There's, yeah. yeah there's, so there's two two screws closer to the knee and two screws up top. And then... You Did you know that's how they got the rod in when you were, when you had to get the surgery? Let me tell you something. When I got the surge, so I broke <laughs> when I broke my leg. Um, it's in Oklahoma in February. It was an indoor race, but it was still cold. Yeah, I remember. It, I remember it happened. I remember passing out, coming to passing out, kind of like just. <sighs> I remember getting helicoptered off. Um, telling like one of my best friends, ah, oh, we had a good run. We had a good run, like a little bit of drama there. The best job I ever. Yeah, had. yeah, kind of yeah. like the what's yeah, that like tank it was movie? it was almost like warlike. It was yeah, like, oh, it was a good run, buddy. You know, yeah. um, and then luckily he he lived there in so Oklahoma. He lived in Oklahoma, California transplant, moved to Oklahoma, and he he had a place. And so I woke up in the hospital, and my dad and my wife were there. I was like, oh, that was quick. You guys got. <laughs> Got here because it would seem like from that helicopter ride to like after surgery, it seemed like an hour, if that. It was so fast. Oh wow! And then some weird doctor. I mean, I say that because this is my foggy brain coming back, coming to. Just remember, he was super pale and had dark hair, and he just looked like he looked super emo goth style. But he was a doc. And then he's just like, "Yeah, you okay?" And he was nice. I was like, "Yeah," but my finger was broke, and no one really noticed that. And he just went, you know, and just put it back in place. I was like, oh, thanks. And then passed out again. Then I wake up in the room um, and I'm just and my wife's there just being patient and nice. And my dad's there. And I'm like, oh, this is this is not so bad. And then anyways, so I don't even know what question you asked, but I didn't know how they actually did it until I got home, really. And I didn't even know I had a catheter in me. Oh, I'm wow. just like talking to my wife. I'm like, yeah, it's so weird. Like, you know. It's like I've been here for a day or two. It's like I haven't even felt the urge to go to the bathroom. And then she's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and then I kind of, like it came to me. It's like, oh, wait, there's probably something happening. And then I looked down. I was like, okay, thanks for that. But anyways, <laughs> so I got home and I had super limited range of mobility in my leg. Like, I don't know, like like maybe 10% like I could bend my leg, something like that, probably less. And my leg was super swollen, and I got off the pain meds because I'm not good on those, um, like cold sweats and all that yeah. stuff, and just head tripping and stuff at night. Um, but it was like, okay, well, well what do you? The, the big question as an athlete, well, what's next? What are you going to do? And that's always in the back of one's mind. At least I've noticed my work with athletes, and just as friends or just as clients is. There's always that kind of creeping question, what's next, what's next? Because you know it's not forever. You just don't know how long. Um, so I was, like, looking into businesses and franchises, but none of that was really my jam. And so, um, yeah, I, I just decided, well, let me see if I can race again. Because my mobility came back, or my range of motion came back a bit. Um, and that was part of my rehab anyway, was, you know, 
I guess, exercise bike or whatever you call it. So, um, I decided to race again and I figured if I quit, if, if I couldn't do it to the level I wanted to or needed to, then I would quit and it would be my choice. And then I would move on anyways, long story bearable. Um, having that carrot to race again was, was a much better reason to, to get on the mend was a much better reason to heal up and focus in. And, you know, it gave me, it was a better purpose, I guess, than just like, okay, well, let me heal up again so I can ride a desk or do whatever. Like there, there was a clear standard with racing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I was able to like eight months later, I was racing. That's impressive. Yeah. Kinda. I, 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 it's not so much me as much as it is because the whole time, like even during the rehab process and you know, the building back process, I was thinking to myself, man, if this happened 20 years ago, if this happened 50 years ago and just kind of doing the math, like, you know, the quality of life. So there's a lot to be said for where we are from a medical and health perspective, if you think about it, because, you know, Civil War days, my leg would have just been cut off or something, you know, <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. Done. And then here I am, you know, kind of complaining that my, I have a I have a knot in my thigh. And, a, you know, a couple hundred years ago, uh, you would have been dead before you even were at the age True. where you broke your True. leg. Right. What helicopter would there be to fly <laughs> me to the right hospital? Right. So all of that stuff. But I I happened to second race back. I'm flying back from Albuquerque. I happen to be sitting next to a couple and they were psychologists coming back from a conference just like that. And I'd worked with a sports psychologist for many years throughout my career. As a competitor. As a competitor. Do you worked with a specific guy? A specific guy. Are you guy. still close with him? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Jeff Warren. He's that's, awesome. That's uh, I feel like having a relationship like that to where you can try to start to embody mm -hmm. maybe what they represent to you yep. can really help with yep. with seeing. And it, and it helps because, I mean, athletes die twice, mm. right? And it helps mm. with that transition into something as and it still carries some of your athletic it it it's almost like you can live as an athlete while it, well after you've moved on and you've let that go because it because while you were an athlete this mm -hmm. is something that was really important to you and yeah. helped a lot yeah yeah so that yeah so we can that, that's a that's an interesting piece because um the athlete kind of lifespan is a micro version of like a, like a human lifespan. Yeah. You go through, and that's good that you said, I like that you said that athlete dies twice. You can also be born a couple times too. Yes. Um, several times, but it's interesting. You go through this whole range of lifespan in whatever window, whatever window it is, but let's just say you actually have a full career and you, you meaning you kind of choose to retire or, you know, there's nothing that just kind of took you out in a year or something. Um, but yeah, you go from being the baby to the, you know, to the rookie, to the middle-aged, whatever, to the grumpy old pro, to the, you know, I'm retired now and, you know, maybe I'm, and I'm helping the next generation. You kind of go through all of that. Um, and so me working with the sports psych, it was really just, you know, when you're young and making money doing a thing, it's, I'm not going to say it's stressful. I mean, I think any profession that you care about carries with it its responsibilities and stress. 
However, it's you're still 20, you know, or 22 or whatever. And you're getting flown around the world to go ride this bike or ride a skateboard or do whatever it is. So so like you're still growing and becoming an adult person and trying to figure things out all the while, you know, I'm using air quotes here, having to perform and having to satisfy you know, sponsors or, or whatever it may be, just all those life stressors. And, oh, what am I actually going to do with this money? And, oh, how are my relationships with, you know, people? And, oh, you know, I don't know. There's some people that come out of the woodwork when there's a little bit of fame there. Yeah. You know, a little bit. And, and I'm going to say a very little bit because BMX is not NFL or NBA, but even still. And, kinda, you, and you can just imagine as a, yeah. as a niche action sport, if you get people coming out of the woodworks, like in our lives, yeah. with you know a small amount of money and a small amount of attention, I can't even comprehend what some of these really big stars oh, have had to deal with. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, so there's a lot to manage mentally and emotionally. Yes. Um, yeah. And I was at the time I had hit. I actually. It's funny when I was in college, I was doing better. And then it was my worst year of racing ever was the year after I graduated college. So I'm like in a house driving, you know, bought a house, graduated college, bought a house, driving a Range Rover, living, you know, just doing that thing that we do, trying to ball out. And I'm thinking, oh, now I'm going to kill it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to kill it because I have all this time to whatever, focus on racing and Oh my gosh, it was the worst year ever. Um, and I had one of the best contracts ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just terrible. And I just was so frustrated not being able, and panicked too. Because at this point, I knew what was at stake. Like, I didn't want to lose this great experience I had. Um, and so I just opened the phone book. Phone book. We're talking 1997. And, and there was no, you know, I just started calling people and looking for sports psychologists. I don't even know how I knew to look for sports psychologists specifically. Well, did, did you, you said you studied psychology. I studied philosophy. Philosophy. So there's a, I'm a, you know, and I, so I took a psychology class um, in college, but so I am a thinker. Yeah. A bit. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a writer, just that made, when you have a philosophy major, you have to write a lot of papers um, and defend a lot of papers. So, um, yeah, but somehow, some way, I just, you know, did you have a brother or a dad or a friend who exposed you to kind of a philosophical way of being when you were younger? <laughs> That's funny you mentioned my dad. So um, I did have a brother who exposed me to the sport. So the, he was in the, the sport of the sport BMX. BMX. So okay. he was into skateboarding. And then um, next to the skate park, Desert Surf Skate Park in Vegas, which w was famous. And back in Jersey, it was Cherry Hill Skate Park. But next to Desert Surf Skate Park was a BMX track. Okay. And he said, I want to race. And so my dad said, sure, go race. And he went and raced, and he had success. And then we went back to New Jersey for the, for the winter, but we still had some racing season left. And he was going to the track, and I said, I want to race too. And we just happened to have a track really close by. So that's how that worked. But um, where were the we? The philosophical way of being when you were Yeah, so the philosophical way of being – so I think I think it was just that's just part of my DNA, part yeah. of my personal makeup. My dad was wise, but not talkative at okay. all. Okay, um, and he was more of a doer. 
So observing him and my brain trying to fill in the blanks, um, and trust me, I got a lot more answers later than sooner, but just watching him kind of get at it and go after it. He was a super successful business person, uh, contractor in Vegas. Um, a lot of pieces started to come together for me. Um, but my brother was the person who, at first, he was the race, you know, he was the racer. I was just tagging along, and he was the sponsored guy, and that was good enough for me. <laughs> I was really just enjoying myself. Like, racing for me was, I was never even, like, super competitive. I just wanted to kind of be part of it all, and I thought it was cool. And then when my brother stopped racing, I kept going because that's what I did. And, um, yeah, it turned into a career. So I feel like a lot of people who are athletes are more likely to get help along the way from personal trainers, mm -hmm. from physical therapists, mm -hmm. from sports psychologists, from therapists. Yep. Like, And I, I'm trying to think of why, and I, I think I see this process pretty often, is where you, you build something that's worth caring about, mm -hmm. And then you start to, and then it's, it starts to crumble and you go, okay, I need to, I need to learn how to protect this thing that I've built. Right. So instead of worrying so much about a, hey, I am failing and I need help and that's embarrassing. It's not, that doesn't even cross your mind. It's like this thing I built is, is starting. I need to protect this thing I built with the life of me and I'm going to bring on the best team that I can. Right. So it, it may not be that it crumbles. Although it might feel like it yeah. at times, it's it becomes something of it starts to hold a different value, right? So, because as a kid, when you're just doing your thing and having fun, and you're just broing out and hanging out or whatever, um, and even BMX racing was kind of like that. You know, you go to the trails, you go to the track. You know, you hang out, the pits, and it's just, you know, oh, can you jump that? I don't know. Can you jump that? You know, those, just kind of those yeah. games, right? It's like, well, can you, can you bar spin it? Can, you know, and then we didn't have, we didn't do bar spins. It was more, it was called like a helicopter 360. But, you know, pushing each other to do tricks or pushing each other to go faster or pushing each other to take a different line or do something. That's all, you know, kind of part of the natural progression of things. But then when you cross that line, and literally step over the the money line and it becomes oh ping i can actually do this for a living right and then you get past that mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you know so like it's 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 almost like you're 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 a singer or a songwriter and you know your first album's great Cause you're just like putting your heart into it and you're just, you're just doing your thing and it's just free and natural. And then all of a sudden the record company's like, yeah, we need another one of those in a year. And then it's like, Ooh, you know, cause it took you X amount of years for that one masterpiece. And now you're expected to deliver that, you know, whatever, whatever the time frame is. Right. So it becomes this thing that's like, so there's this, this, this pressure, whether it's, external or internal and then there's this thing that yes yeah, feels like it might be crumbling but definitely can crumble yes and you don't want to let it go and not only that it's it's an expression of you that's right? a big important one. it's an expression of you it's not like and i'm not trying to disparage any accountant or lawyer or or any other profession but at the end of the day <laughs> 
you on the skateboard or me on the bike or it is an expression of you. You are putting your you-ness out there, right? And you win in front of everybody and you lose in front of everybody, right? You make mistakes in front of everybody. You like it's it's about as vulnerable and as protected as a place as it can be. But it's incredibly um yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing cuz it's like it, it can be incredibly freeing and at the same time it can be like incredibly possibly lonesome or possibly claustrophobic. Imprisoning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was feeling all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I hit my, um, I turned pro in 93, 4-ish, went through school, had some good success, con- and then things started picking up. The advent of the X Games came about. Um, you know, larger bicycle companies and corporate entities were getting into the sport. Um, so, so, I was part of that wave, even on the racing side. Um, I had the worst year ever. And just kind of, ah, what's going on? What's going on? And in my head, <laughs> that's what was in my head. I was thinking something's going wrong. Like, I'm yeah. like I'm capable of this. Why am I not doing this the way, you know, to my level? Um, and sure enough, I, I just, I got super lucky um, in meeting Dr. Jeff Warren, who, um, yeah, I mean, we worked together off and on for, you know, pretty much the rest of my career. Awesome. And so much longevity but it also not just from the specific sports stuff whether it was learning breathing or learning meditation or learning visualization but really kind of him helping me put know how and when to put certain things on the shelf from my life or take them off and examine that and get that stuff worked out so that I could be free to go do what I want. And a lot of it was changing my framework and my perspective on using air quotes, what I thought I would have to be as a pro athlete. So sitting next to this couple (laughs) who are psychologists and me, you know, kind of. And now what? So that was that was 93. That was 97. I reached out to Dr. Warren. I was Turned pro in 93, essentially. Yeah. So now it's 2007, okay? I broke my leg in 2006. It's two... Is it 2007? No, it's still 2006. It's still... The, so it's late because I broke my leg in February 2006. So it's late 2006. Sitting on a plane next to a psychology couple. Um, you know, I was staring down the barrel of this is over when I was at home. You know, looking at businesses that did not interest me. And... I thought, and I, I just started asking him, I was like, okay, what does it take to be a psychologist? And what does it take to do this? And how much long, you know, just school and how does it work? And what kind of degree? Um, cause I had went and got my master's degree and that wasn't actually that hard. And so I just figured, okay, well, I've two years left on my contract with Haro. And I just started thinking actually from a business sense, this is perfect for me from a business sense. There's no product, there's no SKUs, there's no inventory, um, and then from a personal sense, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Who, there, There is no action sport guy. There is no one like me. At least that's what I, was, I thought that yeah. at the time. But there is no one like me who's lived this life and can not only help you compete, but, you know, 
help you get prepared for what's next or teach you some of the things that that I was able to learn and, Mm -hmm. you know, implement um, for, you know, the big what's next question. So that was the plan. I got off the plane and that was like October-ish of 2007, maybe, maybe November. Yeah, October, September, October. And I was in school that January. And I went as fast and as expeditiously as po- as I could to obtain the, you know, the doctorate and the clinical hours and all that stuff. Like, boom, boom, boom. Because I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to be a psychologist, I'm going to be as good as a psychologist as I am a racer. Like, that was my standard. Like, we got to get this done. I was no spring chicken. Um, so, yeah. So, graduated in 10. So, doctored in 10. Licensed in 11. Um and then on the plane to the Olympics in twelve with with a couple with a, with a couple athletes, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then that turned into speaking, um, and then writing, and then you know more more coaching. I would call it because um, I can do therapy. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so I'm able to do therapy. Um, but most of my business is working with athletes entrepreneurs and executives or getting in front of a crowd and you know speaking or doing workshops and just kind of letting that career take the shape that it mm-hmm. that it just let it have a, a life of its own kind of so, follow the the carrot on the stick whenever yeah you find so it's one. it's both it's and right it's not or it's i think a lot of it so i saw it i didn't know exactly how but i did see this um so I saw this vision and I followed that vision and the, but the following part was like, okay, I thought we were going to go right, but I guess I'm going left right now because this isn't the way I expected it to be. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's my, that's the story. So that's how it came to be. Well, I really like the example you put on the artist who has a, a big album and then needs another one a year later. And I feel like what that, what the, what the moral of that story is, is you're dealing with a lot of change in your own life, a lot of change in your career, mm-hmm. money coming in, people coming out of the woodworks, things are just evolving. And you have to evolve your craft mm-hmm. along, at the same time, but also you have to evolve so much internally and emotionally and you're probably at formative, a formative age in general. So I think once you live a little bit of that life, you realize that athletes especially, um, well, I won't say especially, but you see it a lot in athletes. I've seen it a lot in athletes that once you get hit with a wave of things you have to deal with, you have to be incredibly quick at at processing and evolving and changing and applying Mm -hmm. and kind of on to the next. And once that starts to get, once you run into a block, mm-hmm. it just becomes a big traffic jam. And then you have pressure on you. And then you have sponsors. And then you have your own dreams that you feel like are dying. And then you're unhappy. And then, you know, you went from this rising star to all of a sudden it's a catastrophic situation. Yeah. And, and I feel like once you have been through something like that and you get through it, it's like, yeah, I need so many people can learn from this process. Yeah. And because you, you mentioned something about athletes being the ones, I shouldn't say being the ones, but kind of 
not being strangers to reaching out mm-hmm. for help. Um, that, yeah, because I think it's just, it's part of the, I don't want to say the ethos, but it's part of the thing. Even if you go back to, even in traditional sports, traditional sports, um, there is a coach, <laughs> you know, good, bad, or indifferent. There is somebody saying run around the bases or hold the ball this way versus this way, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so you develop, you you have the opportunity to develop a kind, I'll call it a kind of self-awareness as an athlete, right? A type. A type, a type of self-awareness. Um, we can put on the shelf whether that's healthy or not, but it definitely has value. So you're, because you're, you're, and if nothing else, you're just aware of how you're doing as a player, you're getting, as a rider. You're getting feedback. Correct. You're you're learning from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. You see yourself doing better or you, not. You might have mentors. You might have mm-hmm. someone that you can ask questions yep. to. Hopefully someone stepped up and kicks you into place yep. along the way hopefully. when you're messing up. Yeah. And hopefully you hear them. I yeah. mean, those are, those are big, those are really big character building things. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's part of the thing to kind of, I think, I shouldn't say it's part of the thing to reach out, but I think um, as you matriculate up and it does become, you know, even, you know, even college, college level, high level college players or, um, you know, for money, pro elite level. uh, Yeah, you, you have people all around you all the time. Um, and that's, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're this hub and then there's all these different spokes, you know, and, and you, and you want to keep the right tension on the spokes to keep the wheel true so that we're, we're rolling well anyways. Um, but I think growing up as an athlete, it's kind of, or since as an athlete, growing up at growing up in front of people, you know, is a is a special experience that not many people get to have. I mean, I'm not saying people don't grow up in front of their family, but usually it's like their family, you know. But if you think about, and um, they might even be low in the hierarchy of their own family. True, like, you know. True, they they kind of want more people to look at them, yeah. right? Yeah, you know. But imagine, well, like, um, well, Shackler. I don't know him. Yeah, but ah, he's been in the public sphere since. You know, pint-sized little pint-sized guy. little guy, right? Um, and that's that's not normal. I'm not saying it's he- not healthy or healthy, but it's definitely not normal, right? Um, well, the same factors, and that's a special place to be. The same factors that uh, constitute a healthy life are necessary and required if you are in the spotlight, but the magnifying glass Mm -hmm. is so much stronger and the importance of the stability around you becomes a lot more important as well. So if you are, if you do get popular young and then, and also your home life sucks, that's, that's now two things where, Oh, it's, well, it's exacerbated. Yeah. It's, it's, you said magnifying glass. So, right. It's one thing to have strained relationships in an unstable house it's another thing to have strained relationships in an unstable house and oh i just got handed a check for three hundred thousand dollars and every hundred thousand dollars and everyone knows it like that's that's gnarly that's not you know and then and then being the 18 year old 
or 20-year-old who, who might feel a kind of way, shame or guilt or obligation, right? Um, and I'm not saying, I'm not, there's no blame. There's no judgment there. But that those would just be natural things that anyone would feel who gets a check that big or, or an opportunity that big. And you see around you, you see your environment or you see, you know, the other people around you in their environments. You're thinking, mm, should I do something? Do I have to do something? But, you know, and it gets, it gets hairy. Um, so, yeah, if, if you, <laughs> if you don't have good home training, you know, to use an old school word, it, it's not going to bode well for you. Well, if, if it's not, if, if, there's no personal development there. Yeah, and, and also everyone leads with the same conversation. Kind of everyone ends up trying to kind of trick you into an identity by leading with the same. Like everyone has the same leading question. Hey, how's skating? <laughs> and it's like when you hear that for 10 years straight, you yeah. go, I must be a skater. Yeah, you must be. I must be. I'm Mitchie Brusco pro skater. Yeah. And like that whole identity issue is... Uh, you should be allowed to evolve however you want yeah. and do whatever you want. Yeah. Like life is way too short to fall into those traps. But when you're at that age and it happens so often and it still has remained to happen constantly forever, mm-hmm. um, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of, I don't want to say balls, but a certain kind of toughness to keep, to, to keep the words out here and not let them sink into your identity yeah yeah because it's weird because you are that right just like i am a bmxer mm-hmm. um i'm proud to say that and i'm also these other things right like you're not just that yeah and that's but i think and if you lose it you're not less correct and that's the thing and or if you're not doing it you can still be that yeah you know like yeah i I haven't raced a bike for money in a long, long time. And I'm, I consider myself a BMXer, right? So, well, people who go to war and they're 80 years old, I would call that person, you know, a war vet. You're a warrior. Like, literally, a warrior. You went to war. Now, are you currently, you know, wielding a gun and throwing grenades out of trenches? No. But you are, you are still that, right? And a grandfather. And a sweet old man, right? Or grumpy old man, whatever it might be. Or, you know, or grumpy old woman, whatever it might be. So, so, but at 20 or 18 or, wow, 16 or 17, those, you know, those lines, blurring those lines or drawing those lines or, or figuring out what those parameters are, it's it's difficult. And And I remember feeling... Like I had to live up to a certain type of identity or look or way to be because I was this BMX guy, whatever. And it's so funny when I, good thing a lot of our lives weren't on social then, but even if I go back and whether it's like an old YouTube video or an old magazine, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, just kind of seeing (laughs) how painful it was and and how hard I was trying in some areas, right? Um, it was, yeah, it was interesting. It's like, thank goodness people liked me anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, despite myself. Man. If they liked me then. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's pretty amazing. So, um, anyways, it, 
it's one of my greatest, I think, um, privileges to work with people and just plug some of this stuff in, you know, now, um, regardless of where I meet them in their career, but to plug some of this stuff in because I love seeing the shoulders drop. I love seeing, you know, the, the, the tension release and then them, you know, the freedom that they get from allowing themselves to just bring who they are to the deck or to the race or to the board meeting and, 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 you know, building the person versus like the athlete, right? Building the person. And that, that's so, that's so fun for me. I just love that stuff. Well, and you take that, I mean, wherever you go, there you are, man. Yeah. You know, you take that with you everywhere into everything you do, yep. into your career later, into transitioning out of what you're doing into the next mm -hmm. thing, into relationships. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people don't ever really find any, it don't find themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but that's one of the benefits of putting a lot of pressure on someone is, I mean, either you fail yeah, or, or yeah. you'll find a bit mm -hmm. of yourself through that, through that mm -hmm. stress. And I think that's why, I mean, a good artist will, you can see it too. Like they're so unapologetically them. Yeah. Because what they've done is so hard and it's hard and it's been, it's been hard to find themselves mm -hmm. and make it work together, mm -hmm. but they did it. And then you're not going to take them out of themselves ever again. They, right. they won the fight. Yeah. I, so that's interesting because, and I appreciate that. The, um, I think you might've even been triggered just now. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, the unapologetically you. I'll say yes to that. And I will also say, <laughs> because I think, because I think even that person who's unapologetically them will still be well served to, to have, I don't know, what's the word? Um, no. Do still be well served to understand that not everyone is able to or can accept that, right? So, and the reason why that, I, so that's why it triggered me is because I feel like we can we can go down this road where, and I see it, you know, generally. So I'm not young; I'm 47, um, and I see it, you know, and it could be a generational thing where maybe, well, I'm sure there's a lot of things I need, I got, I got, I have to learn <laughs> or get to learn. <laughs> However, we could, we could probably dedicate a different, a whole different yeah, yeah, yeah. podcast. But no, but I think, I think there's this piece where, you know, cause there's like this whole authentic self and I want to just be mean. It's like, well, yeah, be you and recognize that not everyone's going to be able to handle that. And that could come at a cost. And so that's, so it's not that I'm like angry about that, but it's just like, just recognize that it's both a privilege and a burden whether it's by choice or just by, you know, how you're built. That's kind of where I'm going with that. So it's just recognizing, like, if you could put on your big boy or big girl pants and, like, recognize, like, if you want to, you know, you're be, not only be strong enough to be who you are, but also recognize that 
not everyone's going to necessarily appreciate it or understand it or or agree with it that's that's to me is like higher level kind of way of being way of conscientiousness because because what i'm hearing is like i want to be unapologetically me and then at the same time a lot of those people not all of them are like upset (laughs) because they're not being accepted it's like well you know and i say this as a black dude in the u.s it's not like you know i've been to plenty of places where i wasn't necessarily accepted we historically have not been accepted in certain places and and you, you know you just don't go changing your skin color right and so i'm not saying like I needed to like just take it with a grain of salt and be good with the fact that there's a bunch of people who don't want to like me or see me because of that. But at the same time, there's a piece of me that is well served to learn how to navigate that and well served to learn how to play that and well served to learn how to how to fight for the thing that's right in a way that's productive, not constructive. Well, dang, I think I just opened up a can. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> well, let's start with the whole um cuz cuz all that w- what you're really saying is hey, don't think you're so tough. All you're doing is changing the flavor of your suffering. If you go from uh I I am not who I am, so I'm suffering to <laughs> now people don't like me and I'm suffering. It's like Congrats! You changed your shirt. <laughs> right, right. You right, know, right, right. That's brilliant. Okay, I haven't, I haven't heard it that way, but I, I see that. Yeah, it, it's, it's really, it's like two sides of the same coin in the sense of like, yes, you, you can, you can hide in your evolution, but the change really wasn't made. It, mm-hmm. freeing parts of you, come with acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah. you, if you really start to free some of those parts and you like whoa i'm genuinely i i found a new genuine interest it's like it's a lot easier to deal with criticism if you are truly genuine about your agreed about your interest so Mm -hmm. you know being like this it sounds so pathetic just being like ah i'm i'm myself it's like you're being dis uh, being unlikable on purpose is so much easier than being uh, than being like yeah because there's a huge amount of control and perceived power associated with that Mm -hmm. for a moment you feel powerful for one moment and then no one yeah but but what happens is you there is a response right so neurologically behaviorally you are getting a response you are getting a reaction from outside right to that and that and that reaffirms that you know that behavior so in a weird way i so i call it it's funny i write about it too it's it's called secondary gain where we we actually get something out of our suffering we get something out of our pain where it's like oh well well i've tr- you know i've tried everything you know i've tried everything and i just can't seem to solve whatever you know pick your problem there is or pick your you know issue there is it's like, well, you might have tried everything, but I think, but have you tried, you know, not necessarily being the victim? <laughs> have you, you know, have you tried not necessarily, you know, looking for 
reasons why they may not like or accept? Have you tried, you know, not looking at it from your vantage point, but someone else's vantage point? And I'm not talking about bias here. What I am talking about, though, is we do get something, we humans, we do get something out of that struggle, right? But the thing is, even though life is inherently, I don't want to call it tragic, but it, it is difficult. Well, it's definitely more of a tragedy than a comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but so even though, and you get something out of that, you can get strength and resilience and grit and all that stuff, right? And also value for when you do win and value for when it is a sunny sky versus rainy and all this, you know, appreciation, right? Um, I think I think we manufacture a lot of struggle too. Yeah, that's you know? fair. Because I've I've worked with some athletes where it it was difficult for them to to um, and I even see it with my son. Like, <laughs> and he's not even much of a competitor. He's athletic, but to where it's really hard for some people to so say if you and I are competing, it's hard for me to shake your hand if you beat me like fair and square. I've seen that. Yeah, it's like wow, you know. You know, and part of that's like personality makeup, but the other piece is like, I've seen athletes have to make the other person the enemy, like fabricate some kind of thing in their brain as to why you're bad and I'm good and I got to win and I got to beat you. Right. And it might work actually in the moment. Yeah. But it is so it's not sustainable for a lifetime. But what I'm seeing is a lot of is like it's you know if you just pay attention to the news or Facebook or any like there's there's so much like us them us them us them you know and it's just not it's it's counterproductive because we're really beating ourselves up right <laughs> we're beating ourselves up by look you know by by creating all this this struggle I don't say creating yeah by creating all this struggle and anguish when we can go to work on the stuff that's actually holding ourselves, holding us back, right? And it might be work stuff, or it might be like personal stuff, or health stuff, you know? So can we, you know, the hard part is objectively looking at yourself and saying, okay, these are the things that, you know, will probably help me do better in life, and these are the things that probably won't. Let me stay away from those and go towards those others. But it's super hard to do, right? Well, let's let's talk about um, suffering, whether manufactured mm -hmm. or or not, mm -hmm. um, and why you work so hard, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that suffering and work ethic have an interesting relationship. Yeah. Not only is your suffering inspiring. Also, like it inspires you to 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 get out of whatever situation mm -hmm. you're in if you are in a in a bad place. But also, the hard work itself can be defined as suffering, mm -hmm. as a sacrifice. You're right. sacrificing right. your your body. You're dealing with physical yeah. pain, uncomfortable things. So you learn that suffering gives you so much. You can learn. And what I'm finding, or what I'm what I see, is there's there's a lot of people who identify with the suffering so that's where yeah so that's where things get confusing mm -hmm. because when you're uh let's say you're unhappy as a child and you work incredibly hard the hard work itself is suffering and now you've escaped and you've won mm -hmm. it can be really scary 
to not have a proper source of suffering anymore because that has given you all that you know. Yeah. So it's like, what fuel do I burn now? And it's like, okay, well, I'll just make my internal uh, homeostasis as clusterfucked as possible <laughs> so I can suffer yes. just like I always did. Right. Because that is the only, right. that is how I right. manifest. So, you got it. So in... So as you when you're becoming when you're getting your clinical hours and you're working with kids especially, um, one of the big things is avoid the power struggle. Avoid the power struggle. What does avoid that mean? Avoid the power struggle. What's so with kids, struggle? so the power struggle is like basically it's 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 yes you did no you didn't yes you did no you didn't that's the power struggle. Okay. I mean to oversimplify. Yeah. Um, in treatment, it's it's a bit different. And when you're working with kids in a school system, that's that's a whole thing. But if you can avoid the power struggle, so for instance, I did a talk at a school for the staff, and and one of the one of the teachers asked, "Well, what do solely you, for the staff for the staff?" And it was awesome. The school had a day of wellness, and I came in as the keynote and you know delivered some more better happiness. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, but the teacher asked, "What do you do when you have a kid?" Thirteen. And I think you remember what it's like to be 13. I, I kind of do. And I have one. So it's, it's a squirrely age. And they tell you they're only there because they have to be. Right? And that that was the first thing that came to mind was avoid the power struggle. It's like, well, that sucks, doesn't it? It's like, it's like why would why are you going to try to convince that kid anything other than the fact that he he's actually right factually yeah, one and two is he's got a point you know what yeah <laughs> why you would want him to be there i mean think about think about it you what control does he have he's got a parent probably telling him what to do he's got you telling him what to do he's got the law telling him what to do as like it's probably just you know i i don't know if it's true or not but one it's a way for him to flex and two i said so so maybe the conversation isn't Oh no, it's great, and here's the reasons why. Maybe the conversation is, yeah. I remember not liking going to school sometimes too. You know, what can we do to make today just a little better than yesterday? It's See, a much different conversation. Much different conversation. But we do that with we don't do that with ourselves. <laughs> we don't do that with ourselves. We we we're power struggling with ourselves. So when you talk about or when you bring up suffering. And I'm going to find that thing to suffer with or, I, or, or once I'm starting to edge out of this, you know, once I'm winning this game, whatever that is, you know, because we're, we're it, dare I say, even getting into like self-sabotage, like what will life be like if I actually if my problems are actually solved? <laughs> fucking terrible yo that's scary yeah it's not terrible but it's definitely no, scary but that's that, yes it, you can go there easily correct yeah. correct right so it's like oh man. I don't like this, but this is all I know, right? So it's super scary to be on this other side. Or, and in a weird way, it's kind of safe to have those problems because you always have a reason as to why the thing is never working out. Like the, the devil you know. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, yeah, I did everything, but, you know, it's like you could have checked your chain before the race but you kind of knew that it would relieve some pressure if it did break right if you had something to blame and, it on and this is this is we're, we're basically voicing the subconscious mm -hmm. right now this mm -hmm. is not conversations that 
you're because if you're actually having these conversations you're gonna probably get through it you'll probably correct you know so yeah, that, yeah exactly so, so that, which is why i'm why i have a job yeah yeah so this is a lot of this that what what we're trying to kind of voice is almost like a character that lives inside of mm-hmm. us saying well solving my solving all my problems would make my life worse because then i have to change it's like no you're not going to say that to your to yourself right. if you're trying to stay safe in the problems that you mm-hmm. that you know and recognize i know that from personal experience i know accomplishing goals is incredibly difficult not because not solely because things are hard to do mm-hmm. which they are and the sacrifice it takes mm-hmm. to actually accomplish something but emotionally physically and mentally you get transported into you go from the end of a of a process and you teleport into being an infant again yes and it, you're kind of you're kind of yeah forced you're into the dumb rebirth. kid again yeah yeah and i bet you might even feel this because i feel it when i'm riding and, and is i think there's a bit of mastery that i have with riding um and i think you have a bit of mastery with skateboarding but wh- i notice when i'm tired i resort back to like the 12 like all those bad habits that i worked and trained my way through boom and if i'm tired enough I'm hitting the turns with the wrong foot forward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the brakes. You know, like I am, I'm, I'm the, I'm the 12 year old kid who's like, you know, just okay. And it's so crazy how that. And so when you said transported back to infancy, that's, that's what happens to us. Um, and because there's a, you know, that, that's me being tired, but that's also you being, you know, stressed beyond a certain level or or pushed beyond a certain level. That's you, you know, that's your um yeah, that that's your I don't want to say primal brain ticking in, but that's definitely you that's why we want to work hard to raise our baseline. Yes. And and you can get life tired. Mhm. as well. So like if you if you were to picture let's say the entire training process and sponsorship negotiations mm-hmm. and home life negotiations mm-hmm. from the beginning of a training process to the end of a contest that can make you tired in the same way that one race would where when you get to the end of it now you're now you're starting to blow out at your weakest mm-hmm. points now you're now you're if you're if you're likely to be depressed mm-hmm. your depression might show up which i would say is you know the wrong foot forward going around yeah. the corner it's like i've learned how to deal with this stuff but i'm i'm life tired now yeah. from this yeah. you kind of put all that stress on yourself where that i really like that that way of putting it that you blow out at your weakest point mm-hmm. so whatever you're inclined to do your alcoholism tendencies pop up mm-hmm. or your self-hatred or mm-hmm. maybe you start you're not you're not as conscientious anymore. You start ignoring your own yep. thoughts and feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. And then, given that, you still succeed. Air quote, succeed. Yeah, yeah. Then you win the comp. It's like, it's not so simple what just happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now you're... Like, everything just got really confusing again. And now you need to recover your own life 
and you're dealing with this evolution that just happened because you won. Now you got a new sponsor. Now mm-hmm. you have a new deal. Now you have a new thing to go up with. And, and, but inside you, you have just tapped that. Now you have to reset completely and start over. And yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that because so when you, when you race, when I was racing, um, there was always a piece of me that felt like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll, and I did race vet pro off like that'd be like once or twice a year but i always knew you know people oh you should go to the worlds and get that title and and i told myself i am not racing another and i love racing world championships like that yeah but i out of respect (laughs) not only for the event but just the process like i would say i'm there's i'll i'll show up here and there if it's convenient because it's fun and i really don't care how I do, as long as I'm like competitive, great. And I come home intact, cool. Like that's all I want out of it. But to go to a world championships, I know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna wanna go, I'm gonna wanna win. I know what it's like to walk up behind the hill, come quarterfinal time, semi time, main event time. Like I know the, like it's an emotional investment I'm not willing to take. Therefore I pull myself out of it, right? Like, and because, and why? Because it'll cease to be enjoyable, right? It will only be enjoyable if I'm being honest, brutally honest with myself, it will be only enjoyable if I win it. And and that's fine if I'm like if I'm really about that and I'm willing for that, but I I'm not up for that and therefore I don't sign up for it. I'm not willing to step up. Huh? How about that? How about that? I'm not willing to step up because I'm willing to step up to write this book. I'm willing to step up for a client. I'm willing to step up for an all, you know, on stage or all these other ways because that's where my, that's where I want to put my my energy into, right? Um, but you're, but you're right. It's a, it's a huge, um, it's a, you know, when you, you knew like what you just said. It wasn't that simple. It was actually it, it, simple from the outside. Right? Like, oh, I did this thing the best and I won. Yeah, that's the math of it's simple. But getting to that equation was was rough and probably pretty ugly. And that's the that's the piece that's like not really explained. Well, anything yeah. anything beautiful is ugly. I mean, I, that's yeah. funny. I didn't realize how that was that was just a juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. But let's let's use different words let's say beautiful is something that is incredibly difficult that you've turned into that you've capture that you've that you've tamed with prowess mm-hmm. right something incredibly difficult that you've now tamed with prowess mm-hmm. that is art yeah and that's not that is one of that is incredibly that is hard enough to do that it will change your life by doing it. Mm-hmm. And and I think what people don't understand is when you have given 100% of yourself to something, mm-hmm. you become very careful of what you give 100% of yourself to. Yes. And I think at first, you should give 100% of yourself to the thing that grabs your interest and pulls you towards it because you don't know anything else coachable moment here this is crazy i'm not going to coach you please do but this is so you're nailing it and this is the crux of 
a lot of our existence and it's unfortunate. I don't know how to solve it, but I see it where, and God bless these people because there's a lot of them, right? So, because we can, it's really easy to get negative on people and how bad we are, but I see it all the time. These people go to work, wherever it is, company X, company Y, company Z, and they really do like put in a lot of effort to a thing that's like they kind of care about. And I, my hat is off to them. However, you just said it. You said it really well about giving a hundred percent, and and it. Um, so I said, yeah, that once you have given a hundred percent of yourself to something, you become very careful about Correct. what you do. Correct, right? And so, right, you become very careful. And so, imagine a society where people are giving 70% or 80% in something that they don't care, but they're becoming more careful, right? So how grumpy will those people be? How resentful do those people become? How angry? You see where I'm going with this? I see what so, you're saying. So that's like, that's that's what I, so on the corporate side, <laughs> you know, and, and I present a good picture on Instagram, but the truth is like some of the conversations, like, you know, more better happier right that's the happier portion that i'm working on which is there are people who and and you know they're talented and they're bright and they have make a great living but man they've been given a hundred percent or even 70 percent, which is still a lot of energy right it's more than half to something that they you know that's not theirs and i'm not telling people to like quit their job and find their path but it does don't think that doesn't affect you yeah. Is all. Is all. Yeah. Don't think that doesn't affect you because I I hear you with that. And and when someone calls or inquires about, you know, us working together, um there's a certain piece of me like I spend some time really going, man. Do I even if I want to work with the person, do I want to work with the person? Not because it's about them, it's just like cuz it's like all right, like we're going to go do, let's go, you know, let's do this. Right. It was one thing when it was me traipsing around the world and, Oh yeah, I want to win a world. I want to race a race and I want to be a top pro and I want to win this, whatever. But when you have, you know, one, two, three, you know, when it starts to add up and it's, it's these other people saying, I want to do these things and be this person and all that other stuff. Like that's an, that's an investment, not just of time, but like a, okay. It's a, it's, it's a partnership. It's a, it's an emotional investment. <laughs> and so, so it's a relationship. So when you're saying careful, you're, you're nailing it because, because yeah, I'm going to put all that I can into whatever it is you say you want to do. I'm taking your word for it. I'll push back if I don't think you really want to do it, but let's go, right? Let's do it. And so that's, it's, it's. It's very insightful that you said that. Well, and it's also the exact opposite advice you want to give to the rest of society, to the 70 percenters. It's like, no, you should just, you should give 100% to the things that interest you. Yeah. Until you develop a sense of structure to where, okay, I can't just be throwing myself at things. Mm -hmm. But if you're not doing anything that you genuinely love, mm. you have to throw yourself at things. Correct. And then and then learn from it. Right. And truth is, there are people who 
really don't genuinely love or know what they would want to throw themselves a hundred percent into. Um, so there's that as well. But I do think, I do think that's the, I think that's part of the process even, even still though. Like I think deep down, um, you know, (laughs) you know, if there's something missing, even if you can't articulate it and, and it, it, and you, I don't know that you may know what it is, but you know that it's something like, eh, something's kind of off. Not that you're like unhappy and things aren't going well, but something might be missing, right? Like your cup isn't full, right? So, and by the way, I know plenty of badasses that do hold what we would consider somewhat of a boring whatever job or just, you know, call it benign. Um, and they love the hell out of their life, right? Because because they've thrown themselves into possibly their church or they've thrown themselves possibly into coaching the whatever team or, you know what I mean? Like there's this other thing that kind of fills them fills them up or really they, they just love accountancy <laughs> and spreadsheets and that's allowed, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not to say like, oh, you need to work your passion and all this other stuff. Like my head's not in the clouds on this, but but I do think, I do think that getting in the habit and being brave enough to be not beat yourself up, but to, to really be honest with yourself about kind of where you are and what is or isn't going on for you is, um, is something that I think, well, I'll say this. I think it's a conversation people are ready to have. Yeah. I think it's a conversation people are ready to have, especially after COVID or during COVID, however you want to look at it, because it exposed a lot of things, right? It exposed, well, if you're in business, it exposed some holes in your business. It's like, man, I actually, I used to depend on people walking in off the street. I kind of can't do that now, right? Or I used to depend on certain packaging or certain shipping or whatever, you know? So it exposed a lot of things or, or maybe it exposed your own health. Or it exposed your own family dynamics because you've been in the house together and you're like, ah, my wife's getting on my nerves. Yeah, day two <laughs> or, of quarantine. Or my kids are actually, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, what a fill in the blank, right? So so this has exposed a lot of things, but it's been it's forced everyone to ask some real questions, I think, internally. You know, outside of the memes and outside of the masks and outside of all the politics of it, it's still forced people to ask some real questions. And we've been forced, whether we like it or not, to, to live a bit differently, whether you were working from home or not or whether you, you know. Um, so so from that standpoint, um, I hope that um, there's room for more conversations like this and so that people can really get at that and get at um what drives them well let's talk about change yeah um and a bit of what that process looks like Mm -hmm. and feels like because you know a lot of people who try to do good things in the world realize that they basically are just trying their best to facilitate change Mm -hmm. in people and themselves and conversations Mm -hmm. and things like that and things like that and what's a really hard thing to explain to people is 
I mean, I can be really excited for someone else to make a change that long term will mm-hmm. be really beneficial for everyone. Um, but then I also have to. This is just hypothetical. Yeah, then yeah. I also have to tell them that they have to be prepared to lose everything that they know and love along the way. Like if you're going to make a real change in your life, you're going to lose the person you are to find a new one. Like you have to create this. There's, there's this place where you're creating space for new things it's, to come. It's allowing you to become you. Yeah, but that, but that, yeah. but that's, you know, I remember where for, you know, maybe 12, 14 months, the only thing that I, that I could rack in my brain is that change is loss. There was, there was no difference. Mm. And I, and I, and I knew that I knew how much I wanted to change and I wasn't prepared to lose that much. And I went with it. I still did it. Yeah. And I was like, I just kept finding more things that I was, that I knew I had to shed. And it was just a shedding process for like, what felt like it was like two years and then the things came the things came so slowly Mm -hmm. and so it's like i just want to know what that process kind of has felt like for you when you come up in those situations where you know you're changing a lot and and just kind of if you can relate it to that yeah well i mean it's funny i'm going back to i remember in biology and I hated biology in college because <laughs> one it was difficult I mean I appreciate biology but it was hard because there was actually some mathy sciencey things which I struggled with but I hated this class because there was a lab and with that lab was a camping trip and at the time not a camper still not really a camper and two I had to miss a race to go to do this trip and the teacher was not letting me do it so but he wasn't letting you miss the trip he wasn't letting him miss the camping trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm on this bus, college camping trip, and it wasn't like fun camping trip. It was like we're going to walk and like observe. Biological. Yeah. The habitat. Um, and he was granola before there was granola. So we're talking the 90s. Like, anyway, so I actually feel, actually, I'm empathizing with him now. It's like, man, I don't even know how he could, how, much, how difficult it must have been to buy vegetarian food back then. But, anyways. Um, I remember him saying something and it, and it resonated was that you, you know, cause we would talk about these systems, right? These ecological systems. Yes. And it's like, oh, well, you know, and, and, and the balance and the, the delicacy of those systems. And, you know, someone would say, well, 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 can't you just do this? Right. And he's like, well, you can't just change one thing. And I was like, so every time I, because usually when I hear something that resonates, like I can tell when it's going to stick with me forever, like haunt me. Yeah. And that one has in a good way. Um, but I was just kind of giving him the, because I knew it was like he got me in a good way. And I was like, and I, I wanted to resent him because he was making me miss a race. But um, that's change, right? So you you introduce something into the system and the system responds to that and the byproduct of that is loss right as well as gain but 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 loss right maybe it's you lose size or maybe you lose um strength or or maybe you gain strength or size but there's still a loss there right in these in these more 
So, so the system of change, like whatever it is you're changing, but even, um, even in your own, even in your own. So my family system, right? So I have a wife, I have two boys and man, talk about change, right? So if I introduce (laughs) and my in-laws live with us. Okay. So check it out. I wanted to be ahead of the curve. I was tired of paying for cable, so I cut the cable. And I and I got you know, and we I ramped up the Wi-Fi and I paid for I think it was like some kind of subscription for some other kind of service and I and I had my parents, my in-laws set up with that. Yo. That was like catastrophic in the household. See what I'm saying? So for two weeks, like they like it was very difficult for them to like they where's the news? And I like I went over it a million times, like how to watch TV without cable, right? Which is somewhat ubiquitous now, but I'm talking like I think it was like maybe five or six years ago I did okay. this. Um anyways, long story bearable, we have cable still. Oh wow. Yeah. Because, you know, so so that change was you know, so so because the, there's a loss, and and the loss could be minute, which is a habit, right? I'm used to turning on channel three, right? And it's just, but that interruption into their and and they're smart, capable people, and they're awesome, by the way. Um, but that interruption into their programming, so to speak, literally and figuratively, caused a major ripple. Right. So so they're dealing with that. Right. And because they're nice people, they're like not wanting to, you know, every the further it goes, the more they're not wanting to ask for help. And then they're going to my wife and then she's feeling more stress. Right. And then my kids weren't too. They were they were kind of fine with it. They didn't notice it as much. But, you know, if there's tension between me and my wife, then my kids are definitely like, dude, what's going you know, what's going on with you? So. All because of cutting the cord. You so, see what I'm saying? And that's yeah. a and that's a benign change. That's like yeah. a who cares about that change change. But that's an example of you know what you're saying. Change is is that, right? You're, and you're, can you shed the was for the what could be? Well, it could never be if you don't shed the was. Yeah. And and you, you start to mess with your little baby ecosystem that's a part of a bigger ecosystem and so when you're working with a client Mm -hmm. and you know that they're really trying to get a hold of some certain things like let's say they they want to change their their fuel that they're burning as far as motivation goes Mm -hmm. they want to change that from suffering and they want to to Mm -hmm. get motivated by something better Mm -hmm. um how do you help someone grasp how how easy and difficult that is at the same time mm-hmm. so i well actually i prefer simple <laughs> simple isn't always easy and vice versa okay um but yeah e equals mc squared is yeah very simple to read but it's mm. um so when someone wants to change something, so for me, I'm a stickler with words. Uh, you mentioned something about motivation, and I think 
<laughs> even though I can be hired as a motivational speaker, um, I understand it's it's even that's not sustainable. Yeah, you know, people's dogs die. That's a bummer. Yeah, and yet you probably still have to go to work that day. Yeah, like, you know, so not very motivated. So what I want to help when I talked about building the person, it to me it's like building the belief building the sure-footedness in their you know oh, i don't know, like reconstituting themselves into a super formidable entity and giving them some legs to stand on right and i mean like some freaking i can squat a house legs yeah. like when i step <clears throat> that kind of thing right because that because that's how i want you to show up for the olympics yeah it's like dude Mitchie just showed up. Holy shit. You know, that's like, yeah, did you see? He he stepped over there. I felt it. Like that kind of thing, right? Probably like when Tony shows up. It's like, oh, he's here. You know, um, I saw him at the airport, and that's literally what happened. Everyone's like, ah, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know him, but, um, but my point is, so that begins with words. That begins with perspective. That begins with changing <laughs> some rules we have about things. And you know, maybe not yourself, but you know, I'm sure, of some athletes who, um, oddly enough, even in action sports, get very rigid about how things are supposed to be so that they can do the thing that they want to do. And we get very rigid about that. And and don't get me wrong, fundamentals are great. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, planning's great. And goal setting's great. And you still don't control life. Right. And we create this very, very rigid way of like this, this narrow alley of how we're supposed to do well. And then anytime things go outside of that, we haven't allowed ourselves or given ourselves the permission to do it outside of those parameters. When the truth is, it might have to happen outside of those parameters. Do you run into that often? With yes. Clients? ran into it personally yeah you might actually you might actually show up for the biggest thing in your life sick yeah and they're not going to change the date yeah and i know you prepared <laughs> to be healthy but guess what you know so the question is you know are you ready right are you ready are you really really ready for the thing you want and and let's talk about what you really want and I mean really want. Not just like it would be nice to have, like really want. Like you you, you, you won't sleep well because it's always on your mind. And when you get it, you probably will have the best sleep of your night. You know, like world championship want. Like everything in life is perfect, at least in that moment, because you got it. Whatever that is. That's what I, that's what I want people to go after. Because that's a bigger carrot than just the, the moment of feeling motivated. And the truth is, you're probably going to go through times where you're not confident. You're going to go through times where you, you have doubt. Like, those are all natural things. But yet, we humans have said, well, that's negative thinking, or, you know, I can't be that way, or I need to be more confident. You know, confidence is great, but it's not warranted. You know, so what is it that's going to allow you to push through those times where it ain't going your way? And that comes from that sure-footedness, 
that comes from that squatting a house strength of character. And that's what we, that's what I, I try to build and work with people on. And that comes with changing your rules about things, man. Like changing the definition of things. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying living in la la land, but calling it for what it is and saying, okay, look, I know we expected it to go this way, but it, but it may not. Right. And, and then raising that baseline. Cause the thing is, it's simple, right? The game of basketball, make more, make more points than the other team, right? Shoot, put the ball through the hoop more than the other team. And there's a lot of different ways that can happen. There's a lot of different ways that can happen, you know? And in bike racing, I I had this conversation on another podcast where probably a bit of a generation gap, but we were talking about the Americans and how we don't show up as well as we used to in bike racing. Um, and he's like, yeah, great ride. You know, he was talking, and the guy was talking about all these riders that were great. I'm like, yeah, but are they great racers? You know? And so learning to become the fighter, even though you don't necessarily know karate or jujitsu, like, like learning that, that, that you can go beyond even, even what you thought. And all of that is all about tapping into, tapping into you, right? Understanding your personality traits. understanding your strengths, playing to those things. You know, where can I develop as a person? Where can I compensate for areas that I'm just not that good at, right? I love being married. I love it. It's work. And at the same time, it's like, man, like if I had not gotten married, I would have, I'm pretty certain my growth would have, you know, stunted at whatever, 27, and also, too, if I was raising these kids by myself, I'm pretty sure like they would be getting, you know, they'd get a guy, a guy who's trying pretty hard, but they definitely would not be getting as rich as an experience as they were. And also, too, you know, they wouldn't have someone who can help them with their mathy stuff. And they also wouldn't, you know, so so there's there's this division of labor, right, in a, in a system. But as a person, right, if you know these things about yourself and you can address them accordingly, then we go, then it's a matter of being productive, right? Then it's a matter of like, okay. And by the way, we're being productive, not for busy sake. We're being productive because we're working towards something that we think or that is fulfilling, right? And that's the deal. And the crazy part is not so much with athletes, but with a lot of other people, they haven't even got, given themselves the permission to go after the thing that's fulfilling, It's, I don't know uh, if I answered your question. It's uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you an- you answered plenty of questions. Uh, it, what do you think about the idea where you know planning is everything, but the plan is nothing? That, that has helped me so because I'm I am intuition embodied. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I any type of if you give me too much structure, I'll explode. Yeah, but I, I have appreciate to, that. I have to make the best plan I can come up with and then try to follow it the best I can. And when it changes, I'm almost relieved, but mm-hmm. I allow it to. Right. So that, so as, as a coach, as someone working with someone that that's where I kind of say, okay, so, so you knowing that about you, right. I would call it more like let's wireframe this out. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's create some parameters hashed out 
right? Like like the lanes on a road. <laughs> They're not rigid, but these these are kind of like this is like the sandbox we're going to play in. And these are probably the types of ways these things can happen. And that's exactly what I do. Right. And can you right? And so our job is, okay, let's make sure we're paying attention to the things that we can pay attention to and that we're, we're attending to those, right? Yeah. Now, if you're a person who does like to check the boxes, because I have those clients too, they, they need to feel like they're doing something. Part of the work is, okay, what's that about? <laughs> okay. Right? Part of the work, honestly. As like, it was meaning, what's that need? What's yeah, that yeah, incessant yeah, need? Yeah, what's to- that need to feel like you're doing something all the time? But part of it is too, like, you're, it's your makeup. I mean, you know, there's people who just need that movement, right? They need the movement versus the fluidity. Yeah. Right? Big difference or can be a big difference. But the person who does need to check the box is like, okay, well, let's take that wire frame, right? Let's draw some lines around that. And these are the parameters. And and let's let's create some checkpoints around there. Let's create some, you know, mile markers. Let's create, to use a project management term, a critical path. Yeah, I benefit a lot from yeah. mile markers. Yeah, so if along this is and so we just we just do a little bit more filling in, mm-hmm. right? But but with both people, right? So even with you, it's like okay, well, you know, where has operating the way you have bitten you in the ass? You would know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, for the person who's always checking about, where has operating the way you have bitten you in the ass? Right? They can tell me. And they can make the list. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then we can we can adjust. We can develop and compensate. I use those words a lot. Develop and compensate. Develop and compensate. You know, skills or outsourcing. Develop and compensate. Well, I found with my kind of way of way my strategy or way I kind of work naturally, as long as I as I choose the right things to keep at the top of the pyramid Mm -hmm. of all the things that I want to do and one day I want them all to work together nicely and Mm -hmm. coherently but as long as I skate well and I I pay attention to some certain relationships and I'm healthy you know I can do whatever the fuck yeah outside of that and things stay put together Mm -hmm. but if I start to replace some of those more integral things with like random shit, mm-hmm. which I'm also liable to do mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, falls apart so quickly. So what you're talking about is, uh, well, I shouldn't say what you're talking. What it seems like you're getting at is values and yeah. hierarchy, right? Yeah. And there is a hierarchy because when you were talking about getting stuff done, and I like one of my favorite words. I think it probably is my favorite word is trust, and I mean like trust, like bridge not falling down like trust man like like you go over that bridge as don't even like it's a pretty trippy thing on a bridge like if you think about it yeah especially a big one it's like dude this is you know it could fall but nobody's you know nobody there's people who are scared of bridges but that kind of trust yes you want trust in your process but do you have that amount of trust in yourself Right. Do you have amount, that amount of trust in not even just yourself, but in the fact that like, hey, even if the shit does hit the fan or all things do crumble, right, that you'll be OK. Right. Or that you can get through it. That kind of trust. Does it sound wrong if I were to say that a lot of people have never experienced trust ever? Like, yeah. And does it sound wrong? No. 
No, because a lot of people have trauma. A lot of people have really good reasons not to trust, unfortunately. Well, and why would you trust yourself? Like you're only a person and you've done all, and you know, and you know everything you've ever done wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what you're likely to do wrong. Yeah. You, right. It, what, what is there to trust without, I mean, that's a, that's a, a real road you have well, to walk. And so, so talk, getting back to the, right. The, it's, it, it's going to come down to what you value, mm-hmm. right? It's going to come down to what yourself. you, tr- well, yeah. So we're talking like integrity, honesty. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Love. Uh, earlier. Right? Like, like we're talking, it, it sounds, hopefully I'm taking these concepts and making them more concrete because now it's like, oh yeah. Right. It's not just like a word. Trust. Honesty is not just a word. It's in, there's integrity. It's like, yeah, I'm going to write a book one day. Here it is, you know? And by the way, no one cares if I wrote that or not, if I said it or not, but, but I did, right? I wanted to live up to that, that standard. And that's the, and that's the thing. Of course, are there mistakes in here? Probably like certainly, (laughs) right? And I even trust, even with that, I'll still be okay. And it's mostly serving the good versus the bad. You see what I'm saying? Well, because I, those because those value hierarchies are in place. It's like, and and so what happens with people who who really can't trust or don't? Um, I I you know I'd want to take a look at like what that what their big value hierarchy is, what it is that they really what their north star is like what's driving them because because that's scary to me right it's scary to think about your own north star or that no that's scary that 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 oh that they don't trust right not even themselves right and i'm not saying be stupid and walk around naive and just give people money and well naive isn't you can't trust i don't want you to but i don't want you to i don't want people to confuse that yeah you know because you know i think i mean trust is knowing what you're exposed to and doing it anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, being, it's right up there with courage, isn't it? Yeah, well... They're like kissing cousins. Yeah. 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 Not to get too Alabama. Yeah, well... <laughs> but, you know, that's 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 the thing. You know what's at stake, and you, you, you go into... Well, I brought up war, right? Um, the warrior. I mean... There's a lot of trust there. And the military, to its credit, does a lot of good at instilling that. Trust in a system. Trust in a chain of command. Trust in your equipment. Trust in the training. Trust in your... Because without that, you will die. Yeah. Your chances of dying are much higher if you lack that. Straight up. I need to ask some of my personal friends who have experience. But I've heard through videos and, Mm -hmm. and audio uh like podcasts and whatnot that a big part of the vetting process for a, a tactical team being built so, sometimes isn't uh only on how much productivity someone does it's how trustworthy they do are do you have my back yeah are you are you lightening your load so mm-hmm. mine is heavier right things like that right do you understand me yeah Get yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Understand me, right? 
And that's the thing. So, you know, you talked about my dad or, you know, and he didn't, he wasn't a, he didn't have a bunch of words, but the connection was that I, I intuited that he did understand. I felt that. I experienced it. I literally stood on his shoulders as a young man, adult, you know? And so I know what that's like. I know what that strength is like. I express that strength differently than he did. Yeah. But that's, that's the, that's the character piece right there. And that's, and, and here's the beauty. We all have it in us to build it and create it in my opinion. Well, it's, it's kind of funny the way that it's worked for me and obviously uh, maybe not so obvious, I guess I still, I still struggle a lot as far as like navigating the world. It's complicated out yeah. there. Well, man. I think a lot of us do, but the things that I trusted the least about other people were like, you know, maybe abandonment or mm-hmm. lying or things like that. Well, is everything that I embodied, right? I became those things to protect myself mm-hmm. from it. So even when that door closed and I was alone, mm-hmm. I still would have been the first pre- person to leave myself hanging mm. and not show up for myself when I needed to, to get a thing done or to do a thing. And to build any sort of trust for myself, I had to really work on those qualities. And then I noticed that I couldn't see that in other people. And then I got to work on character judgment and, hey, well, is this person really, are they likely to abandon Mm -hmm. themselves and then me by by proxy? Right. And that, that kind of... When you when you build it out like like the quote that's something along the lines of uh, any like a mark of being a man or an, an adult mm-hmm. might be finding the things that you never got in your childhood and giving them to yourself. Yeah, and like how else are you gonna trust any process or anything in the world or anyone else or a goal or a plan? If you can't start to give yourself the things that you need that can build your trust in yourself, that can build your character, and then you can take that with you. And then you can let that get a little bigger. You go, you know, I'm. it's dangerous out there, but I, I can afford the the expensive fuel of, mm-hmm. you know, trust. Because getting betrayed is hard. Yo. I mean, there's a reason. And it happens to some great people who are solid it happens to you and to yeah, me. Yeah, it happens to everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, there's there's bad people. And so here's the thing. So I, I talk about this too in in my book is like, hey man, you're like, for I don't say, well, you're just as capable of some pretty foul rank stuff as you are some great stuff. Yeah, I got Ordinary Men on my bookshelf. I haven't read uh, it yet. I haven't read that either. But, um, but that's the that's the thing. Like, if you think about the atrocities that have happened over human history, right? Part of it is, yeah, there is. Don't get me wrong. There are bad people out there, right? And they orchestrate it. I don't know if it's conspiracy or not, but but there's just bad people who just are like gonna do bad things. Um, 
But all the people who do it underneath them, they're just showing up to work. <laughs> That's the trippy part to me, right? Forget the Hitler or the Putin. It's the ones who are following orders. So that's what ordinary men is about. It's like, you know, so, so, <laughs> you could wrap your head. But the thing is, if you're really honest with yourself, it's like, you know, what decisions would you make if you were in any multitude of positions that you could fathom, right? And the, and the truth is, you are capable of bad things right we we unfortunately humans have the we literally have the power to end our own lives okay like that's pretty gnarly and we do it all too often yeah but i say that to say you have the power to give yourself life too see what i'm saying i do and and that's a lot of freaking power well and so if you can honor that right if you honor that Right now we're making now that like that's the first choice. You can honor that. Then you're like, okay, knowing that I'm capable of, you know, causing destruction, knowing that I'm capable of causing, you know, pain. And you choose to do otherwise. Now you you are stronger at that point. It's as simple as, do I want the Dorito or the piece of broccoli? Well, you have to, you have to understand, <laughs> you have to understand that you are capable of, of both good and evil. Mm-hmm. I've been yelled at and had terrible things said to me by people who just don't believe with any ounce of their body that they're capable of causing any harm and they're trying as hard as they can and it's working yeah, yeah. they're causing a lot of harm right and they just as evidenced by the fact that they're yelling at you right now yeah and it hurts yeah. and it hurts yeah but they they don't understand that their actions are actually having consequences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how can someone like that who doesn't even feel like they can hurt your feelings if they tried how are they going to go out and do something great? They're not. They can't they can't affect anything around them. So respecting the fact that you're a big powerful human being mm-hmm. on both sides uh is an integral part of it just it basically says hey my actions have an impact on the world. And yeah. You can spout enough out of your mouth where people will stop listening to mm-hmm. you. But also, you can get that power back so quickly if you get your act together, and people will start listening mm-hmm. to you. And that's you nailed it. If you get your act together, if you get your act together, right? So, if you want to implement change, then implement change. <laughs> like seriously, like here, right? So. And, and that's maybe that's maybe a thing that 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 an athlete might have an edge on, you know, versus I'll just say general population is where they kind of, you know, in order to keep progressing in their chosen profession or athletic endeavor, there are things that do change. 
maybe the programming, the training programming changes, maybe how we eat changes, maybe Your the age group, how we take care of ourselves or the amount of, but they're where you, know, you can, and it seems like, oh yeah, well, those are no big deal, duh, 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 but, but there's still changes, right? Like that the, ecosystem. The is, correct. Correct. Implementing the change. Right. And yeah. So what happens when you change your perspective? What happens when you change your belief system? What happens when you change your behavior? Right? You become more effective. You become more impactful. Well, look at this. Abandonment issues, mm-hmm. right? Once I realized that I did that to myself constantly, mm-hmm. I then w- later was able to realize I started walking into relationships carefully and in th- into the world carefully. Not because I was scared to get hurt, but because I can hurt you and you and you if mm-hmm. i'm not careful if i'm not aware of what i'm mm-hmm. doing now i carry this this sense of power where it's like hey i'm not even i'm not gonna be friends with you not because i don't like you not because of anything but because i respect you so much that i i need to treat this like it's important yeah so i'm not hearing careful i'm hearing responsible yeah yes that's i like yep. that better word yeah yep yeah. You're responsible. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. And life got better than me when I better for me when I took on more responsibility too. Because the other truth, the other side to that, right? Before I saw, you know, what like the whole sports psychology thing is like, I was kind of a lazy pro. Yeah, the lo- the lovable slacker. How about that? I mean, I, you know, I well, you, you start believing your own press a little bit, you start, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And you, you, you know, you do have a talent, which kind of got you there anyway, you know. I can do things yeah, that other people Yeah, yeah, I can do things mostly. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we could change your mindset. And guess what? You can actually get off your ass for an extra hour a day and do some more sprints or go on the road bike or whatever it might be and stretch, Right. And here, and the beauty to that is, because and and, I, and I, there's my friend from Oklahoma. I mean, we used to joke because he played high school football, so he was, he um, he he knew about weight training early on, um, and I used to just joke like, ah, weights ain't nothing but heavy, hmm. and like that was me, right? Keywords that was me, right? I identified as that dude. And was proud of it. And, you know, for, for lack of a better term, for lack, I mean, so it, I saw, and I also ended up paying for that, right? Changed perspective, got off my butt, changed behavior, got in the gym more than I would have wanted to. And I actually like the gym, you know, miss it even, you know? Well, so well, so the, so so funny how and now so here's the here's the trick question, am I still me? <laughs> am I still that same person? The answer is yes and no, right? I've just grown, but the thing is, I took on more responsibility, and I'm better for it. And that's just in like bike racing. Like at the end of the day, that's not curing cancer, but because I took on that responsibility and understand what that was, and brought people into the world, and choose to enter into a sacred covenant called marriage. Even religious or not, still pretty sacred to me, right? 
I have a little bit deeper understanding of relationship, deeper understanding of responsibility, a deeper connection to, you know, doing what is mostly right most of the time. Yeah, and, and as what you know, correct. As right, All based right on the now. fact that, like, man, maybe I should work harder <laughs> at this thing that I say I love, called you bike say, racing. Right. You, so you're. I've seen you uh, allude to actions a lot over the over the time that we've talked. Like, I get what you're saying, mm -hmm. but I don't believe you. I mean, it seems like you run into that a lot in your profession. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's been a learned yeah, so, behavior. Yeah. From so you. when we when we talk, so when I say I talk about what you want, I really want to get at what you want. I, because I was guilty of it too. I mean, I thought I wanted a lot of things, and part of the thing reasons why I wanted is just because that's either was what was expected or that's what everyone else does. And I don't know that it, I didn't even take the time to think if that's what I really wanted or if that was in my heart. See my point? Yeah. Big difference. So. Before we work together, I mean, yeah, you say you want to go to the Olympics or you say you want to start a company, whatever the thing is, like, cool. I, by the way, like, really cool. I'm glad that. But I I use those words like that not to be, um, not to be, um, not to diminish it or not to kind of um, be rude about it. I, I use, you know responsible to what you say you want is so that you recognize like that this is your choice but two is that really <laughs> what you want because if not we can we can spend a lot of time money energy physical mental and emotional on a thing that's like meh and it might even work right it might but i know that if it's meh because i know what comes after that yep and that's resentment and that's anger and that's, you know, cup half full, all that, you know, pick your cliche. And so if if you if we're really about it, and by the way, like I get that we can't see the future. But again, I think like I said, you you deep down you know if something's missing, right? Just like deep down like, yeah, you you might say you want you know, whatever, this house or that job. Okay, great. And you might find out that it wasn't what you thought it was, but if it was in your heart, then great. Then it was worth it. And then if you get there and find out it's not, cool. But if we're spending this energy for a thing that you're just saying you want because that's what you think you're supposed to want because of some other person's idea of who you should be or what, you know, some ego trip kind of thing, that's that's not that's not going to be worth it to you. Yeah. And so that's all. I just want, I want to distill it down. I actually want to make it easier for you. There's plenty of people. I, you know, you brought up the Dorito or the or the bro piece of broccoli because weight loss is, you know, um, a gazillion dollar industry in this country, as you know. Um, but the truth is, there's, and I say it all the time, there's plenty of fat, happy people. Like, aside from health concerns, aside from your joints possibly hurting because you're carrying more. Like, the truth is, you can. Make the choice that I am good where I'm at and I enjoy eating what I want. And I and right, and just if you're good with like that, and you you've you've um what's the word? I don't want to say accepted the consequences, but you've you've come to terms with like some of the other things that are a byproduct of being overweight, then God bless. 
Like, we don't have to spend the energy on that. You know, I would hope you want to be healthier, but if you don't, then okay. Like, but if, if that's what you're like, if that's what you really want, cause I know it's going to be easier for you. It'll you, your brain, right? So your brain neurologically, like if there is a clear direction, it's going to be easier for us to get there. But if it's kind of, if you're on some meh, it's going to be like really difficult. That's why I want to get at the, 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 you know, the want, the desire. And then we can reverse engineer it from there. Well, that's definitely the best strategy to get to where you want to go. It's nowhere, uh, no approximately where you're aiming and then Correct. reverse engineer it and then make it things uh, weekly, weekly goals mm -hmm. towards that, whatever you can handle mm -hmm. sustainably right. weekly. I mean, what you can do in a day, people underestimate what they can do in a year and overestimate what they can do in a day. Yeah. But once you get a, once you get a pretty large percentage of yourself and the way that you talk and walk and your mm -hmm. actions and your sacrifices all aimed at, and to me it's like a group of things, mm -hmm. you do make movement. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because when you're in it, you don't, it, you know, it's pretty cruise, it's cruise ship, right? You kind of like don't realize you're turning and then you wake up the next morning and you're heading a different direction. Yeah. It's kind of like that. We call it, my, my buddy and I, my trainer calls mm -hmm. it uh, wheels, the wheels spinning. Mm -hmm. Feels like the wheels are spinning. But then I look back on the last six weeks and I've gotten so much done. And right. all I feel like is my fucking wheels are spinning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, even with this, you know, we're looking at this book, and I remember my buddy coming over to my house, and I was literally uploading the file <laughs> to the publisher, and I was like, a little frustrated, because it was funky, and I had to rework some things, and, you know, techie stuff that I, I'm okay with, but I don't like, um, but that was only, like, three weeks ago, or four weeks ago. When did this book come out? Uh, yesterday. Like I received, what? yeah. Like I received this book to my mail like like a week and a half ago. Cause I googled you when I first when I first yeah. Corey first set us up, and I did not see this. Right, it's that new. Um. So, are you doing anything based off of this book release? Really? What's everything your, is based off of this? Well, what 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 do you call it? An activation. So uh, yeah, that that's that's the that's that is the buzzword. That's right? the buzzword. Brand activation. Yeah. Are you doing oh, a God. book? Are you doing a keynote? I a think, book tour? So, yeah. So signing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's funny. Um, my whole life has been the activation for this thing. But <laughs> um, well, podcasts going on podcasts. So the timing was perfect. Really. Uh huh. And it's so weird energy wise because I literally when you reached out to me. Or when Corey connected us, excuse me. Yeah. When Corey connected us, I had just gotten off the phone with somebody um, about doing like a pod, a podcast tour to promote the book. Cool. And it was just, and then you, you connected and it's like, oh, wow. Okay. That. And I asked Corey yeah. so randomly. I just yeah. asked if he knew any uh, like mental health professionals mm -hmm. or psychologists or cool. sports psychologists uh just because I, I, i'm curious i mean i care a lot about 
mental health. Yeah. I, I really I work hard on my own. I also opened, you know, one of my older podcasts now a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. Time flies. I just uh, did a, a solo podcast that I just talked about some suicide mm-hmm. statistics. Kids my age just aren't really getting some of the help that I feel like they yeah. could be getting. Yeah. The conversation is is too taboo. And mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about it. If you want to share your story, if you want to message me or email me or send videos or whatever. Like, cool. I'm not here to help you. I'm not asking for help myself. We're just going to talk about it because there's nowhere for us to talk about right. this stuff. Right. And that was like a smashing hit. Yeah. It was like a pretty That's big, awesome. that was like a pretty big deal. I got like hundreds of messages, like way more than you, you know, probably is, like more than you could almost handle. Right? Yeah. I mean, I took a break from, you know, I, I, I took, I slowed down the rest of my life to mm-hmm. kind of make sure I, I was able to like process that mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with some friends, my, I really like acupuncture mm-hmm. and just being able to go there and talk to her about like just the messages that I'm getting and maybe building a plan off of what that mm-hmm. and also not getting uh, stuck in, you know, I'm not going to make a podcast about suicide every, every day, every week. And it was yeah. easy for the first <laughs> right. three or four days, you know, getting messages after message to be like, well, we have to address this, but it's like, yes, but let's do it. Like it's a cruise ship that's turning, right? Let's just let's, right. let's yes. address it. But I want to stay on the path towards mental health and athletics. So, man, as someone who does sports psychology and and really cares about the internal stuff is it's been such a pleasure to have you come by oh, and thanks. the way this works. No, this out. is great. So it's weird how these things work. So, um, have you heard of mind tricks? No. So that's an Instagram, Mind Tricks, the, the I is a one. Um, Nikita Ducaro, she... my One of my gamer tags mm-hmm. in video games, uh, I think it's Apex Legends, is Jedi Mind Tricks. Oh, with the one. Nice. With the I is the yeah. one in tricks. Yeah, so, so that, but that Instagram account has a bunch of action sports athletes that just share... Um, their stories about oh, it's mental not health. like an illusion. It's not like a magician's Mm-mm. site. Mm-mm. No, because she she tips and tricks. Yeah, she's of been the mind. she's been public with her um, dealing with anxiety, um, and so yeah, she set that up. And so there's a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of uh, people you'd know <laughs> yeah, on there sure. who shares a story. Um, but you know, it's there's another word I love, and it's called convergence 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 um and it's so so back in the day when so that word was powerful for me because as a as an athlete as a racer i i always knew i had a capability of x but i didn't always believe it x might be winning or being the best or whatever you want to call it embody right 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 like character. like i knew like i know i can win i know i can win which is why i was frustrated right but there was something in me that wasn't allowing me to which which went into my my bigger beliefs like oh it's not my time or or i'm not good enough or they're better or you see what i'm saying so so the convergence was when that knowledge met that belief like not only did i know i could win but i actually believed i could and I believed it was possible, right? But forget me. Like that that's just why it was pow- that word convergence was powerful for me. The reason why I like so what I'm getting at with that word now is 
like where we are, there's a lot of conversions going on in the sport world with everything, right? So this last Olympic cycle, specifically the Summer Olympics, the 20-21 Olympics, um, we saw it front and center. Performance, mental health, and and diversity. All of that stuff was just boom, converging. Um, and for me, I got to tell you, like, yeah, I plugged myself back in and, and was able to, to, to be on some pretty big stages as a psychologist. Um, but it was still few and far between from a client perspective or even a money perspective at times because, you know, Olympic cycles are up and down and there's a lot of starving athletes and, you know, all this other stuff. And there was a bit of pushback because my jam wasn't just like, let's get you to the winner's circle. Like, of course I want you to win. Like, but one, I don't know that you want to win necessarily if that's what you really want. And two, um, it's not, I'm not here to, I'm not the dude that's going to like just inject a shot at you so you can go out on the field if it's going to hurt you. Like, like, unfortunately we might have to take a break. How about that? Unfortunately, we have a whole life to take. Correct. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy for this convergence of these things because the conversation is, yeah, the whole person is showing up to this, to the game. Right. So it's so funny. I, I didn't go sports psych route to become Dr. Richardson. I actually went clinical route and I'm so glad that I did because my skill, because my skill set lends to all of that versus just, you know, this guy to kind of like push you, you up already- and get on stage. Right. But it's, you know, so when we, so this, that's the whole point of this book, More Better Happier was like, people would come in, period, people would come in and they would want one thing. It's like, oh, well, I just want, and and more, you can call that affluence, right? Stuff, things, um, money, success, you know, all, all that, that they want more of that, right? Or they would want to become better. It's like, oh, if I, if I could just, you know, maybe it's weight loss or if I could just get to my race weight or if I could just go faster, if I could just, you know, they'd want to be, you know, some kind of skill set thing. If I could just, you know, be less anxious when I, when I present in front of the board, that kind of thing. Or they're like, actually, Jason, you know, on paper, my life looks pretty good, but something's missing or I'm just not happy or I should be happier. or How come I'm so, you know, and what I noticed was, or what I started asking myself was, and what I asked these clients was, well, you don't just want the car or the job. You don't just want the washboard abs. You don't just want to, you know, smile more, right? You, you want, you want all three of those things or one of those three of those things, because it represents something more. It represents something bigger to you. Right. And so I, so my whole thing is like this, this Venn diagram of the more, better, happier. Right. And, and instead of us just like, yeah, instead of us just working on the, you know, the work thing, or instead of us just working on the better thing, or instead of us just working on the happier thing, we work on the whole field. We play the whole field. And that's, you know, and whatever's in the center is the one thing. You can call it what you want, but you don't have to articulate it. But that that was the whole purpose 
of this is like I've had thousands of conversations around this, and 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 the thing is like I I'd hate to see you win your championship fight and be unhappy. Yeah, I like them that, apples. That's that's right. A, that's a all too common right. place to be. You know, I I you know one of my best clients, I talk them out of one business. Like I straight up was like, you guys you need to get out of real estate. And let me tell you something, California real estate is a very lucrative business. I'm like, it's not working for you guys. It's not. It's like not in like it. It doesn't align. This is what it is. It's what it is. And their life is so much better <laughs> because they 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 pivoted, they created another business. It it it's it's brilliant. Anyways, it was working on the whole field, not just this one thing. And I experienced it. Because I did lose my sponsor. <laughs> I was in a house and having a really expensive car and laying on my bed drooling, like bummed out that there was no sponsors left for me. Right? Until I stopped focusing on the business of BMX racing and started focusing on the business of my life. And when I focused on the business of my life, guess what? It made some changes, like we were talking about, and became more responsible. Then those shifts happen. And that might be a natural antidote to, correct me if I'm wrong, a natural antidote to imposter syndrome as well. Mm -hmm. Because you're more in line... You help people get more in line with who they really are and succeed on that route, rather because the imposter syndrome is such a big deal, and yeah. it's and it's hard to shake. And it's hard to understand. Yeah. What do you, what do you understand? And even about? even people that are close to you will help contribute it contribute to it for you. You know, like like even I mean, and my dad's one of my favorite people on earth, but I remember even even back um you know he saw because i had a friend make a you know he made some stickers for me he said dr jason richardson and it was on my computer and <laughs> even my dad was like like kind of like and my brother they'll kind of be like oh, you know they kind of go oh doc you know they kind of just do this little thing it's like I, I didn't do that to be a big deal don't get me wrong i'll play it if i need to but well it's awfully useful sometimes it's cool it, there's a cachet to it but my point is we all even like even and these are people that love me. It's not like they, they want anything bad for me, but but people even other people contribute to our own constantly. Our own, you know, into that imposter syndrome. But here's the thing. Like, you are that dumb little kid. <laughs> How about that? And you're also not that dumb little kid. Right? Like it's it's you're that dumb little kid. And you can choose if you still want to be the dumb little kid, right? Or you can be the dumb little kid who has grown and who has learned and who has some things to offer and who's still trying to figure it out too, right? Like it can, your life can be a run on sentence and that's okay. And that's the whole point. Like it's, it's like, you know, so my, my whole thing was right. My negative belief was I was a joke. Like I worked it out. Like I still have the journal where I worked it out. Like it came to like, I'm a joke. Not imposter, like literally, I'm a joke. People don't take me serious. And because maybe I wasn't taking myself serious enough or whatever. But fuck that, right? Like, and so in this in the book, um, there's a piece where it's like, you know, I basically say, once you realize the joke is on you, 
it actually becomes to be less of a sting, you know, being being the center of attention or not getting any attention kind of is a moot point at that point, right? Like the joke is on all of us. And that's the thing, like it it's all kind of messy and funny and and yeah, you're that dumb little kid, but if you if you want to identify as only that, well then good luck playing the game. So are so are yeah. you saying that don't identify only as either because you are neither. It's more like it's it's and. Right? Yeah, it's that's, and. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll I'll go there. I mean, I'm I've, I've always taken flack for it, but I'll keep going, but as a, you know, I'm black in the US and but I I don't hang my hat on just that. Like, you know, I don't hang my hat on just a BMXer. I actually struggled with that early in my career. Um, you know, I'm I'm all these things and, right? And I, you know, I don't I don't even know that you or I could really even put into words what we are. Really? I mean, the, the words kind of don't do them any of us justice as to what we are, right? me being six foot or black or a psychologist or whatever, like they're, 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 they're descriptors, <laughs> you know, you, you know who I am by the feeling you're getting now and by the ongoing relationship we may have. And those, you know, continued feelings around that, you know, Oh, well, Jason, yeah, he's this type of person and he tends to do these types of things, but you know, that kind of thing. Oh, Mitchie. Yeah. He, he's this kind of person. And yeah, he's, you know, it's, it's, it's richer than just like label. And don't get me wrong. The brain looks for labels because that's how it needs to, you know, make sense of the world. We, I mean, to the point we do it to ourselves. Correct. And we know everything about ourselves, and we still want to put us, put ourselves in a box. Right. Yeah. And part of that is by design. Part of that is literally your brain needs that thing so that it can like sit pretty on a shelf so that you can actually tend to tend to you know, actually staying alive. So that's that's part of it. Well, it's 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 been useful in evolution to give roles to things. Yeah. Predator, friend. For sure. For sure. Wife, children. For sure. You know, to sim- to simplify yeah. our world like that because if we were lost in the sauce all day every no, we'd day, we'd be a mess. We'd be a mess. We would have never gotten anywhere. Yeah. But it's also, right? And there's benefit to that. But there's also, you know, like it's 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 also kind of ironic, right? We have the luxury of sitting here and talking about these meta things, right? Like literally thinking about our thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, what a luxury, right? We have the luxury to complain about gas prices. You know, and I know that sounds a bit harsh and gas prices do suck, but, you know, some people don't even have the luxury of gas or water. How about that? You know, or plumbing. See what I'm saying? So um, in a weird way, the more comfortable we've become, (laughs) the more time we have with ourselves. Right. And 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 the more unease we can we can develop or disease we can create but you know it's just it's just part of our 
our wiring. We're we're an interesting bunch as humans. Do you pay a lot of attention to your own finances? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have I well, no. I'm going to be brutally I pay more than the average. My wife pays the most attention. So again, like I said, I like Beamer cuz she, you know, um I am like a I'll call myself like if I were to give myself a grade, I'd give myself a B plus and I'd give her I'd give her the A plus. Uh, yeah. What kind of what kind of things do you like to do as far as investments go or portfolio? Is that is that any is that a part is that a passion of yours? Like, are you mentioned real estate? That's about the only thing, but that was from a client. Yeah. Like, so do you no, have, I, do you I, have your hand in anything yeah, outside I do. of just work? I do. I do. So um, and that's it's funny that you say that because most of my investment has been in education or my <laughs> my ideas. Things like this, you know, like I, I tend to put my money where my mouth is, even to a detriment. So yeah. it's funny as a as a as an adult person, um, I've learned to actually point, aim, and shoot. <laughs> I was kind of a point, shoot, aim dude for a while, um, which allowed me to be successful in BMX and you know other yeah. aspects. But you know, there's two sides to every sword um, or coin. You, uh, can, you can get hit with the back yeah, end a lot easier yeah, 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 on the yeah, sword. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, so I do. I I honor the system, right? And I notice that. Um, meaning, so for me, um, it, it really hit me. So a couple things. One, I realized that I'm I'm already where <laughs> where I am now is where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. In some financial like it's really weird to think about that but it's like wow like and like you were talking about you know a day is slow a year or a lot can happen in a year or that kind of thing but um no we're in a really good position knock on whatever that is um so Mahogany. I, I have some basic investments but it's we've been consistent okay and it's like you know x amount comes out of every check and just goes into this and every week you know i got my acorns account and then i have my other 401 you know retirement and it just it's automatic i don't even see it and it just goes there um you know did the extra payments on the house you know we we thought about investing in real estate my wife's in land development and candidly you know because of who we are and because of you know i kind of like the excitement of that kind of stuff but at the end of the day if you look at the numbers like investing in a property whether you rent them or flip them versus just like kind of putting it in a whatever market account like it's somewhat of a negligible, <laughs> like yeah. over time, it actually bears out that the the market's fine. So we, but we did diversify a little bit, and we 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 have a we do have a larger real estate holding from another opportunity that was given to us. Um, I I'm I'm not in crypto per se, but I am in fintech. I don't know what fintech is. So it's just financial tech. Ah, that's all. Yeah. Um, so and and that's part of that could be inclusive of the mechanisms that make crypto work. Okay, make sense. Yeah. Okay, and that's about as much as I understand of it. Um, and the good fortune of knowing a lot of people and working with people from a broad range of um, disciplines. So, um, but anyways, one of my good friends, he, yeah, we, he has a pretty interesting company where he's on the digital side of that of 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 trans of digital side of transactions just on the transaction side so they have some pretty cool so we have an investment there but but pretty much that can much be like, a lucrative position 
yeah. to, to could be uh, could be and that and trust me into. that we're not like it's not a big position so most of it is just like the the basic standard like you know mutual market fund blah 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 like the vanguard or whatever i don't think it's vanguard but um just that and then we just plug away um sometimes i do some fun things on the side like last like covid me and my buddy got a car and <laughs> we flipped it but i was just like you know a couple thousand bucks just for fun that wasn't um anything crazy but um as yeah. far as personality types go yeah. you and your wife how do you how do you guys feel like you compliment so um it's interesting i we did our strengths and we did our personalities where we compliment is well i it's easier to talk about where we don't compliment because she's yeah, definitely more she's more reactive yeah and i'm more like i guess you would they would call it we'd call it resilient not that she's not resilient, but yeah. from a personality trait but standpoint. But over, over so a period. She's highly reactive, and she's also more conscientious than me. Yeah, I was going to say, over over a period of time, though, you might slip into contempt where she might not be yeah. as likely, things right. like that. Right, so she's, so she's highly conscientious, and I'm, so that's where we trip up, because she thinks, like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, well, I do care. It's just, it's just not, I don't think, I don't see it as a fire. Yeah. You know, and I care differently, so... There's other things, but in other ways, you know, which is really cool. Cause even last night it was my son's birthday. She was talking about how, you know, cause my son asked her if it was, if dad wasn't around, right. If, if it was just you raising us, you know, do you think you'd, you know, it was actually a really insightful question from, but, but you know, how would you be with us? And she really didn't have a, you know, she's like, I'd probably be, you know, and she kind of started talking about, you know, uptight or worried more or whatever about a lot of little things and she's like no but because your dad like with school and with this i've kind of learned to relax and do this so so in some ways you know so we complement each other in the same places we we butt heads in in some ways um and then there's also a cultural difference because so she's born in iran she's been here since i don't know like she was four years old but parents are uh Persian, Iranian. And first um, generation. And for yeah, so she she did have like a lot of responsibility. So not only was she here and, you know, and her parents were immigrant parents, but you know, those kids tend to kind of walk their parents through the way things are supposed to be yeah. done and the rules and stuff. Um and she's the oldest. And so where I was, you know, I'm responsibility yeah, on both sides. Yeah. My mom's from Pakistan. My dad's black from South Carolina. But I, I probably had a way more American upbringing with with bits and pieces of that yeah. Asian Middle Eastern flair. Um, but yeah, so there's certain parts where I'm just kind of like like so for her, you know, they're culturally like if you came over the house um, and wanted something, they'd bend over, you know, they, you know, them getting it to you would be like they'd be falling over themselves to get yeah. it to you. Whereas I was like, yeah, go to the fridge, take whatever you want, you know, that kind of thing. I wouldn't do that. But my point is. You know, so an interesting story to explain that would be, so my, my parents were divorced and my, uh, I'd go visit my dad in the summer in Vegas, and my mom in New Jersey. But so I remember being in Vegas and we're at the BMX track and someone asked me, if, oh, you know, you got the cooler, the orange cooler with the, you know, but someone asked me if they wanted, if I wanted a drink. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Because on my mom's side, like you don't, you know, you don't want to like imposition anyone. Yes. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> I like walking off with my dad towards our car and I'm like, dad, can we get, can you get me something to drink? And he's like, 
and he was like, boy, didn't you, didn't, didn't Miss Dutchover just ask you if you wanted something to drink? You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, so as a kid, it was weird, but he's just like, if you were thirsty and someone asked you for a drink, why wouldn't you, ex- you know? Yeah. And so it was just kind of interesting to see. And, and sometimes I'm aware of it now, but even now and then I still get tripped up in that dynamic. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a blessing to be yeah. exposed to multiple cultures. Yeah. You don't really, not everyone gets that, especially with traveling yeah. for competing. You get really exposed to a different, different lenses of Correct. the world. Correct. It's, it's sometimes j- j- shocking and jarring. And it's funny how little, you agree with naturally outside of your own culture oh, yeah. after you've developed in it and you really become a person. Yeah. You're like, there's a lot of really good reasons that the, my culture is useful and fine. Like, yeah. why would I adopt? But it, there's this certain respect that you have for all the other cultural traits mm-hmm. that you can, I mean, a lot of it just comes to do with what is respectful and what's not. Yeah. And sometimes those are really good to pay attention to. And those can help you even in if American culture is not is like one of the least respectful cultures like in the world, just naturally. You think? Well, I don't know. It it seems like there there isn't really uh, like respecting authority and family hierarchy. Oh, that's our. Yeah. So our thing is, well. I think we were, yeah, we were, we, we, well, it's not that we don't, I'm speaking for all America here. <laughs> uh, it's not that we don't, but how I, how I view it, right, is they've, again, the, the value, the, they've just, we, generally speaking, Americans value independence. Yes. Right? And we, and you know, let's be real, the country was founded on a big FU, right? Yep. Which, fair enough. Um, so so those things have kind of permeated our s- collective story, right, <laughs> of America. And and we're always going to be that. I mean, that's even what's going on now. Like, even internally, it's like, are we going to be this group of independent go-getters or are we going to be this group of people that want to be taken care of by the government? You know, if you kind of like look, look at Fox and CNN. Um, but... But I, I will say, traveling the world with a bunch of Americans, um, the telltale signs was food. Yeah. <laughs> and there was just some of those guys that were like, and it's cool if you don't want to eat something that's weird to you. I get that. But it was the it was what I've noticed with some, and I, you know, probably sixty five percent of them. It's not this is not a scientific survey, but is that it was the was that was the, I don't want to say rudeness about it, but the, the ingratefulness of it. I expect everyone to speak English and serve me chicken tenders. Yeah. Or just kind of like this, this crap. I don't eat this crap. It's like, even Uh, if they're saying it under their breath, it's like under their breath. It's like, that's why I say ingrateful. Cause like you might be nice, but it's like, well, that's what they eat, man. And I get it. But I will say I did have, I personally, I had trouble in Japan. Ooh, the food was great. But I'm a breakfast person. Okay. And I feel like the breakfast in Japan is a bit lacking. Didn't do it. Yeah. And the eggs just like Oof. they just wouldn't I, I got a I got a bubble trip yeah. coming up to Japan. Okay. Next month. But so, the food actually the food is great just except hotel for food. breakfast. 
Just uh, I'm just gonna be a, okay. basically eating hotel food yeah. and venue food. We can't go out. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't. Yeah. We even have to leave right after the event. Oh. And fly home. So yeah. I don't. Real, I don't think. Yeah, that's gonna be. That might be. That might even be. That that will. I'm not gonna say might. That will probably be. Um, an a cultural experience. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to. Put you know, it. it might actually be off in a. Because just a COVID culture. Yeah, it's almost like a its own hybrid deal where they're just managing this thing, right? Um, but yeah, the food is where you see those cultural differences come up. Food and money, man. Those are two things that really start. You get people talking about food and money, you get a window into the value system pretty quick. Noted. Yeah. Well, I uh, say value system, but hang-ups. People's uh, hang-ups. Yeah, I'll definitely pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, thank you so much for coming. I don't know how exactly how perfect. Yeah, I think that's two and a half. Cool. Um, Went fast. Where do people buy this book? More, better, happier. They buy it on Amazon. Amazon. But great. They can also go to my website, which is drjasonrichardson.com, and then click on the more, better, happier link. And okay. then that'll take them to Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So through Amazon is yeah. the best way. If there is something that you'd like for someone to take from this book, if they don't have very much time mm. and they want to they want to get a quick read, uh, what is something maybe that you can open their mind to before they ever open it? Okay. Um, before, wow, before they ever – so, well, then they're not reading it. Well, the one thing is, but you get how some people read yeah, books. Yeah, you can. You, go, you actually can read this out of order. Like you can open just that chapter and read it, even though it kind of builds on each other on itself. But um, I would, I would say that. Well, geez, man, you put me on the spot. I don't know. I'm supposed to have that dialed in as far as my elevator pitch, but one thing I want them to have maybe a practice saying like open your mind to change before or maybe a keep in mind the people you love something like that that ah okay that is what like how what what will make this book the easiest to digest for someone oh um i would say that what would make it the easiest to digest if they're willing to be brutally objective with themselves. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Be taking take an objective approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That can help a lot. And uh Jason Richardson, do you care about social media at all? I do care. Okay, so is that just Jason Richardson on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube? So it's and- at real Dr. J. Rich. Okay. I don't think there's someone in trying to be an imposter about me, but, but it's there's the at, real one. Well, what happened was I changed my Instagram name and then I got rid of it. This is early in the game and then I couldn't get it back, so I had to change the other one. So anyways, I'm not on Twitter really. I'm okay. there, but not there. But but Instagram's pretty much where I'm at, and that's at real Dr. J Rich. R E A L D R J R I C H. So your keynote stuff and your your the kind of the speaking and your traveling, um, are those ever open? environments or is it like a conference or is um, it like a usually school? it's yeah usually it's a, like i'm speaking well it's pretty cool i'm speaking at the 
Executive Summit at Sea Otter Classic, which is bike. Sea Otter? The Sea Otter Classic. So that's a bike festival in Monterey. And okay. When is that? That is April 8th. I believe. Nice. And um, so that's, I don't know how open that is, but um, but usually it's a conference or some kind of summit. Um, and then, uh, but you can hear me speak on Instagram. Cool. I usually do like minute clinics. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, well, I thought this whole thing was just right on par with what I want to be doing. Cool. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. That was awesome. Um, and I hope we can keep in touch moving yeah. forward and yeah. see what, kind of what happens. My son wanted to meet you. Well, he can meet. He was like, he was like, can I go? I'm like, well, I don't know if you want to like sit in that, but yeah, it was because he's, he's a traditional sport guy, and then he found the skateboard. Yep, and he is obsessive about, like, even in the garage, I can just hear click, clack, click, 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 click. <laughs> it's not gonna go away. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, so, 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 yeah, and he's met a couple of skateboarders just based on my. I'd but, happily say hi. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be he'd be stoked. How so old? he is newly thirteen. Perfect. Yeah. So awesome. I have a, n- a new thirteen year old and a new seventeen year old. We had some, you know late January birthday and a March birthday. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. Oh, that that'll be good. Thanks again. And uh, maybe I'll have you. Maybe we'll we'll do another podcast to catch up in a, yeah. in months time.